Everyone come, all come, gather around. Come hear tales both lost and found. Finally show not about true crime. It's David and Michael's story time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, strap back in because we're going back to space for another episode of Storytime Podcast here on the Elfin Gork <laughs> I forgot. It's the it's the El it's the, the Andalite Chronicles. Andalite Chronicles. Guess what? We're not redoing that. That's David Miller. I'm Michael I'm, Santel. That's correct. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> David, last time we ended off, we heard only part one yeah. of uh, of this harrowing tale. I now know what that word means. Yeah. The harrowing tale <laughs> of the Andalite Chronicles. Uh, the shit has hit the fan. Our normal human Chapman has yep. turned out to be a son of a bitch as well. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> David, I don't even want to do pleasantries. I've checked the email. There's no more emails. Let's just <laughs> get to it's it. It's so funny because if they listened to the last episode, they know that we are recording this mere moments after the last episode. But if they don't know, they're going to be so confused. So if this is the only episode you've heard, you absolutely have to go back and also, listen Also, you're to doing crazy week. things jumping into a part two of a, of a, of a uh, I don't know, a duology, it's, a trilogy. We don't know yet. We don't know yet. We don't know, and it speaks a lot to your character. We've learned a lot about these characters as well. <laughs> they probably, they probably started the David trilogy at episode two, too. Uh, yeah, that's true. You gotta yeah. go back and listen to the first David one. It's like, it's weird, because this mission that we're on is like to try to like um, uh, get the time matrix back, and it's like we have had a little bit of time matrix shenanigans in right with our recording right now. Um, all right, so yeah, to set the scene, uh, Elfangor is a kafit bird above the Yurk spaceport on the Taxon homeworld. The Jahar, the ship they came in, has just landed, and Chapman came out with a captive Lauren, the other human, and basically says, I'm willing to trade my whole planet. David, I'm doing my predictions. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we also don't know where Arbron and Aloran are. We lost them in the scuffle as taxons when when there was all that nonsense. Right, yeah. right. Okay. I think that Chapman's plan is actually a tricky plan and that Lauren's in on it. Okay. Uh... I feel like our other two lost uh, cap uh, uh, horsemates are, are going to come uh, going to come out. Okay, they're gonna regroup and get away and go to the mountains where the rebels are to like fight some of these things. And I don't know how that's going to happen. Whether the rebels are attacking and they meet up with them or they find the rebels, but something like that's gonna happen. I also want, I feel like we're going to set up Laura and Laura, Lauren, Lauren she's <laughs> going to survive and come back to Earth and is now going to be our Zordon for the kids. Like, she's going to be in her 50s, but she's like, oh, you guys met up with them too? Let me join. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, great. Yeah. You can, like, she's been holding on to this for a long time. Um and uh, Elfangor is going to get a brand new alien morph, different from the ones we've already established. He's already gotten a taxon. Yeah. That's fine. In the forest, they're going to find like a Brachiosaurus and he's going to take it and run through a building. I should describe to you the taxon homeworld is a pretty barren world, a lot of dirt, like red dirt. Uh, an underground giant worm is gotcha. what he acquires, but not a taxon. 
Not attack. Well, I mean, more maybe attacks. <laughs> they're, they're big giant worms. So okay. All right. Um, okay. So here we are. Uh, Elfengor still does not know where Arbron and Alaron are. Um, it's been a couple hours since he got separated from them at this point. Mm. Um, uh, he thought speaks privately to Lauren as she's being like led away by these yurks. Um, don't worry, I see you. I'm coming after you. Don't fight back. Just comply. Tell them what they ask, but don't tell them about the time matrix. Right? Uh, which we know is in the Skritna ship over on the other side of the spaceport. Right. Um, and he says, I will come and save you. Right? I have a certain set of skills. I'm going to come to them. I'm going to ruin their days. So he flies towards the Skritna ship. He's going to try to steal it. That's currently his best shot. We, I gotta, I gotta take care of that first, right? Okay. Um, so he hides and demorphs to Andalite, and then he starts morphing to Taxon because he's like, "Well, I can't walk up to this thing as an Andalite." Um, and as he's morphing, he is found. He hears a, a noise behind him, and he turns around, and a Taxon kind of like scritches up and like looks at him for a second, and it's Arbron. He thought speaks to him. He's like, Elfangor, is that you? And he's like, oh my god, thank goodness. Yeah, okay. (laughs) He asks where he was. And he's like, oh, we got separated by the feeding frenzy. Arbron seems to grow a little quiet at the mention of that feeding frenzy. Sounds like Arbron got a full tummy at that event. Yeah, he speaks very flatly. um, And he doesn't know where Aloran is. He got separated from him as well. Uh, They... Both are taxons at this point because Elfangor finishes morphing taxon and they, they go up to the, the ship where there's some geds like at the door of the ship and they go up and essentially bluff their way in as like, hey, we're supposed to work here, computer repair. Very sure. similar to what your party in Starfinder just did. We can't keep referring to this fictional story. They have no idea what's going on. You they snuck don't in know because you pretended like know. you work here. That's yeah. It was so good. We got into the whole base. I got everything. I stole things from the guards and they were like, yeah, that's right. He's got to fix it. <laughs> um, so as soon as they get in, um, they shut the door immediately um, and start you know, to demorph, uh, to steal the ship. And the Geds start pounding on the door and they're like, what the fuck? Oh my God. So they had to like go quickly. Um... And then I ignored this noise and punched the engine power. The main engines began to whine as they powered up. And then I realized it. Arbron was not demorphing. Arbron, what are you waiting for? Demorph. Arbron didn't say anything. Oh, thump, thump, no. thump. Open up. Power down, you fool. Arbron, what are you doing? What are you up to? Demorph, I yelled. I guess I hoped that yelling would make it happen, but I already knew. He stared at me through those shimmering red jelly eyes, and I knew, more quietly, almost begging, I said, Come on, Arbron. Demorph. I really wish I could, Elfangor. I really wish I could. He's stuck in a taxon he body. He is stuck in a taxon body. The freeding for Which is got... horrifying. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, that's no good. Uh, so they lift off, um, but their acceleration is much slower than they'd like. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Arbron suggests, what if we use the time matrix? And Elfinger points out that they don't know how long it takes to, like, boot up if it has, like, a power cycle or something. Like, what if it takes a day to, like, Yeah, they don't function? know anything about it. Right. Um, also, uh, that it would, like, set off everyone's sensors to use something like that. And they would immediately right. come running. Also, he reveals that his real reason for not wanting to use it is he's kind of nervous that what if it maybe upsets, like... The Elemists? 
Sure. Just like just like if you play with some techno like literally some god level technology that the Elemis might show up and be like, what's going on? It was all it, you know, it's been thought by many that the time matrix itself is a myth. It's thought by many that the Elemists are myths, but essentially they're like myths that are told to Andalite children and shit, right? Sure. Um, and Arbon is like, dude, do you believe in the Elemis? And he's like, I don't know, maybe, but if they are real and they did make the time matrix how are they going to respond to us using it? You know? Sure. Like that sure. kind of thing. Um, so. Right. Right. I don't believe in Merlin and King Arthur, but if Excalibur was presented to me, <laughs> I would have to go like, oh shit, maybe Merlin comes back if I use this sword. Yeah. So Bugfighter is approaching um, and they can't take it in a straight up fight. The Skritnaw ship has like shitty blasters and the Bugfighter will just tear them to pieces. Um, and another one is approaching and two more are launching. So there's like four Bugfighters like on the way. Elfangor's like, well, maybe we can try to outrun them. Since their fighters are mostly made for space, they can't really deal with high levels of heat in flying through atmosphere at fast speeds. Whereas Skritna ships, because they're like these scavengers that fly to planets and kidnap shit and then leave, like, they have to be able to deal with atmosphere better. So they're like, well, then let's just floor it and see if we can outrun these motherfuckers. Sure, they're kind of like uh, Hummers, and the other cars are kind of like uh, sports cars, right? They can get there fast, but they don't necessarily have the maneuverability to go through all the different areas. Yeah, and if you go too fast, you might get unstable, and then like... Sure, sure, veer off the road. So, there's an air chase at over 3,000 miles an hour. Oh boy, that's so fast! The, The fucking... And they're like 50 feet off the ground at this point, so like... The heat is just like, boosh, like, like emanating, like hitting this ship, and and they look behind them in like the sensors and stuff, and the the bug fighters behind them are also like glowing bright orange, right? Like the heat is so intense. They're gonna start. They're gonna start going like this. They're gonna wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. They then push turn it. Off and they explode. push it three point five thousand miles per hour. They barely scrape over a mountain that like seems to suddenly just come up in front of them, but like no! <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah okay. it's, they're, they're going so fast. Um, and one of the bug fighters, the bug fighter in the lead of the pack, just bursts from the heat. Just straight up mm-hmm. blows up. Um, there's still three on them. And at this rate, if they keep it up for even just a couple more minutes, they'll probably blow up too. Do they, they, they gotta peel off. They gotta, they gotta turn back. Arbron says, let's take a shot. They wouldn't expect that. And Elfinger's like, nobody can make that shot. And Arbron is like, I can. I can make that shot. Yeah. Uh, so... Um, lots of high rolls on this adventure David for sure so okay so they're like okay here we go let's try three two I killed the thrust and punched the air brakes the Skritna ship shook it bucked it rattled it vibrated and bounced wildly just 50 feet off the grass I was thrown off balance I sprawled across the deck but Arbron's row of tacks and legs absorbed the punishment he never wavered he kept his tacks and claws on targeting controls our speed dropped from nearly three and a half thousand miles per hour down to half that in mere seconds. Too fast for the bug fighters to react. What happened next would make Arbron a hero. Our speed dropped off. The bug fighters rocketed forward and blew past, doing 1,500 miles per hour faster than us. Arbron fired. Tsew, tsew, tsew. Three shots at three targets, doing a relative speed of 1,500 miles per hour. Three shots in atmosphere. Three shots from a vibrating, bucking wreck of the Skritna ship. I dragged myself up and stared in disbelief out the forward window. Three spinning meteorites, three balls of flame, slammed into the ground. They dug craters in the tax and dirt and extinguished themselves. Nice shooting, I said. Seriously, nice shooting. Thanks. 
Turns out the taxon senses and reflexes are good for this kind of thing. I guess that's why the Yurks use taxon controllers to fly their bug fighters. It's nice to know that there's something useful about this disgusting body. Oh, he hates his body. Oh yeah, and because there's and, and as we've learned it. from Elfangor, there is a constant, almost overwhelming hunger. Yeah. When you're a taxon, yeah. Uh, Elfangor starts heading like the ship back towards the spaceport, being like, "Well, we gotta save the humans. We gotta know where Alaran is." And Arbron is like, "No, let's use the time matrix. I need to go back in time. I need to get out of this body." That's why he keeps pushing for the time matrix. He wants to rewrite reality so he cannot be stuck in this body anymore. It kind of comes to a fight, although Elfangor doesn't want to hurt Arbron, obviously. But like Arbron's kind of giving him no choice. Yeah. Um, so Elfangor cuts off like four of his front legs. That makes him like lose his balance and fall. He's got a bunch of legs, but like still, you know. Um, he can't regenerate anymore. Like that's kind of a dick move to do. I mean, maybe they can regenerate, but like I don't know. That seems like a terrible move. Uh, and and in that fight, like half of the control panels of the ship are destroyed. Oh no! Elfangor finds a modified dragon beam. He like kind of looks around and sees a little thing. He he pulls a, a modified dragon beam out of this scriptna like hatch, um, and he uh, he wants to land the ship right. Um, uh, he sets the beam to the lowest setting, setting one, one, and threatens to stun Arbron. And Arbron, who we've heard, we, I haven't told you this, but like it has been said that Arbron is a better exodatologist than Elfangor. He knows more about alien species and their technology and their data and stuff like that, which sure. is why he was the one like searching through their computer and shit like that. Arbron says that he has the settings on the gun backwards, that because it's a Yurk weapon... One is the strongest, and ten is the weakest. And if he were to shoot him with that, he would just kill him, not stun him. Oh, no. And then he charges at Elfangor, because he's like, well, if you're going to kill you know. And so then Elfangor's like, great, well, I was faster. I, I reacted fast enough, and I quickly turned it to ten, aimed it, and fired. And the moment he pulled the trigger, he figured out that Arbron had just lied to him. Oh, no. And he blew his brains out. And he says, by a fucking miracle, I missed him by a hair. But I blew a hole in the side of the ship. And we're going at, like, 1,500, 2,000 miles yeah. an hour. So the air starts shooting out of the ship. They and have immediately to immediately shit starts blowing out and yeah. Fengor blacks out. Oh, okay, great. He wakes up outside the busted ship on the ground. He checks the wreckage. Um, he's alone. He can't find uh, uh, Arbron. He can't find any of the script. Like, in the ship, there were a couple of, like, script still in the ship. The big, like, cockroach guys. And, like, a cocooned one, like, stuck to the wall. He can't find any of that stuff. Any mm. of them. Uh, so he checks the wreckage, looks through. There's some boxes, a bunch of boxes and crates of, like, stolen shit from Earth. Clothes, some pieces of like paper bound on one side like books or magazines right sure uh there was also a quote shiny yellow painted creation with four black wheels uh and the time matrix he like finds it was that a wagon do they have a wagon you'll in find there? out you'll find okay. out what it <laughs> is, it, uh, is, it, is it a vw bug so he looks for arbron and he can't find him uh, he finds, looks through some of those magazines and he sees like a cigarette ad with like really pretty scenery of like a waterfall and two people like smiling and smoking and you know, like, <laughs> sure. um, and he's not sure what those white cylinders are, but they seem very happy and the place seems he, beautiful. He's, he's got it. He wants to take it up. He's like, I really should try one of those white cylinders. Uh, he falls asleep 
exhausted and a little beat up. He wakes up in the morning. He finds taxon tracks leading to and then away from the ship. And because of where he sees his tracks from when he was like looking around last night, you can tell that it happened before. Like so like the first time he was knocked out, taxon tracks came up to and then away from the ship. Uh, Grab some supplies. And it looks like they were they dragged what looks like the script like cocoon and stuff were all like dragged that way. So he figures, oh, like maybe Arbron and definitely the script were like taken by these taxons. Sure. So he remembers He's like, well, what am I going to do? Like, I, I'm, I'm like stuck all the way out here. So he remembers from the pictures in those magazines that there were some pictures of humans uh, sitting in a machine that looked very similar to the yellow one with four wheels. It's a beach buggy. He's going to go on the beach buggy. So he goes in and, and on the thing he sees it's written Mustang. Mustang? It is He's a yellow a Mustang. Wow. That was stolen by the Skritnoff. Now you're playing with power. He removes the seats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he couldn't fit. He cuts the cloth top off of it. He's like, what the fuck was this for? And he he cuts that off. (laughs) (laughs) He starts fiddling with the controls, but it seems to only make static noises and stuff. And then Mm. he finds there's a a tape deck, a magnetic tape deck, absolutely primitive as hell. He, what is he? He, he puts turns it, it on and it's, it's I not, can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> it's a those Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. The <laughs> um, so then he's like, "Well, fuck it." He finds the key. He finds a brass notched insert. Figures out where to put it. Turns on the car and finds that while it is a very primitive chemical engine. It has a very pleasing sort of rumble and vibration <laughs> that he kind of digs. He can kind of get behind, but how does how is he sitting? Like he's his, standing. He, he, t- he like took the seats out, so he's like standing, and he's using his arms like leaning down. Yeah, and it, yeah. that's so funny. So he drives off across the desert in a Mustang. (laughs) Okay. He also took with him some books and magazines, what looked like some primitive weapons, and a couple bottles of a brownish liquid known as Dr. Pepper. Sure, sure. It's probably good for which he does pour into a pan and drink some through his hoof. Because that's how they drink. Was it, was it delicious? Did it just... Did he, I don't think they little... taste in their hooves, or at least not in that. He's just like, oh, Dr. Pepper must be human for brown bubbly water, right? Sure, sure, sure. Um, he saw that it was like water-based, I think, was what led him to be like, oh, I could probably drink this. Okay. Um, uh, as he's driving, the ground... It's all hopped up on fucking sugar <laughs> yeah. now, just bouncing off the walls. The ground just opens up in front of him. Like in a in like oh. a, a hole, and he like goes down, and now he's driving like downward into this like cavern tunnel thing in the ground. It's dark, but dimly lit, like a red dim light, and he ends up in this big cavern. Um, and there's a big red thing in the middle that's kind of pulsating and glowing a little bit, and you can see that there are taxons like swirling all over and inside it. It's got to be the mother. It's got to be a mother brain. And there or, are like uh, tendrils shooting out like into the earth, like into the walls of this cavern. And the tendrils themselves are seem to be hollow and round enough to fit like a taxon if it were like laying down. Um, and, he, and he sees that like taxons are kind of like moving through these like tubes essentially. And a big booming thought speak-esque voice says, is this the creature? And then he hears Arbron respond in thought speak, yes, this is Elfangor. Okay, so he's come and told them about all of their adventures and what they've been doing and that I have a shipmate on this planet. Arbron comes out 
and introduces the living hive, mother and father of the taxons, yep, who is yep, yep. very upset with the Yurks for stealing so many of its children. Yeah. He also says that he gave the taxons, in order to not be eaten himself, he gave the taxons the script that were on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> and they happily murdered Absolutely. those folks. Uh, and so Ar- Arbron has decided that his purpose now is to help uh, the living hive resist the Yurks. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna team up with the rebels. The plan is that there is an attack on the spaceport planned for tonight. One thousand taxons will emerge from the earth. The the tendrils, the tunnels are like pushing closer to the base as we speak. Yeah, and they will burst out of the ground and just go nuts attacking. The very spaceport. very Starship Troopersy. It is a doomed attack. Elfangor is like, that is not going to succeed. You know you're going to lose that, right? And he's like, I know, but But what whatever. else can we do? Exactly. And Elfangor is like, fine, what can I do to help? Right? So the plan is that they will all get in these tubes and like fly down there, and Elfangor will be last in the Mustang. The will essentially like pneumatic tube him in the Mustang to where he needs to go. Of course. His job is to, one, find Aloran and or the humans, and two, get to the Jahar, and three, take the Jahar to get the Time Matrix from the Crash Scriptnaut ship and get the fuck out of here. Right? Arbron is like, hey, it'll be chaos. When you come out of that tunnel, we'll all have started fighting. You probably won't be able to tell the difference between controlled taxons and our taxons, so just do what you gotta do. Wow, just just whatever go, it yeah, takes whatever. to get your job done. Sure, and basically, also they can't mark them. They can't put little little yellow dots or something on them. There's nothing they can do. No time. Uh, so, <laughs> no time. So he emerges from the tunnel into absolute chaos. He splatters attacks on across the hood of his car almost immediately as he's dri- as he's driving. Um, yeah. Um, and he drift swipes Subvisor 7 in his hork body. Just fucking Tokyo drifts into yeah, him? Yeah, and just like, boom, like hits him and then he flies off um, and heads toward the Jahar. Yeah. Uh, a ton of taxons are swarming to try, there's like a ramp, like a, a narrow ramp to go up to the platform where the Jahar is. So they can't all go up. It's kind of like a one by one sort of funnel. Does the car just zoom right up there? There's a ton of taxons swarming to get up there, but he sees as he's driving to it on the platform, um... Uh, Arbron is ahead of the group, like on the ramp, because uh, he and he can tell it's Arbron because he has shorter uh, front legs, right? <laughs> right, right. Which are right, which yeah. have been uh, regenerating. They are growing back. Oh, like, good. Okay, quickly, good. But okay. he has shorter ones. Um, and then up on the platform, he sees uh, the silhouette of two humans. He's like, okay, uh, Lauren well, and Chapman. I found the humans. Yeah. Um, so then. Arbron, I screamed. I slammed the Mustang into a mass of ravening taxons. Elfangor, I can't hold them any longer. Are these taxon controllers, or are they your soldiers? There's no difference anymore, Elfangor. Don't you see? Blood has been spilled. The hunger, the hunger. Stop me, Elfangor. Stop me. And with oh, that, and he's just eating. He's just and with that, Arbron, a wrist of the dome ship star sword, lost his last shred of control. He turned from facing down the taxon mob. He turned and ran for the humans, mouth gaping open. Oh no, he's gonna eat the humans! So, Elfangor fights his way to the platform and then manages to barely stop Arbron from chomping on Chapman by yelling, 
a wrist Arbron, you will do your duty. And he even says, like, I have no idea why I yelled that or thought to yell that at the time, but it did work. Arbron, like, it, kind like, of snapped. It snapped his, yeah. yeah, it snapped his brain. Um, and then a gang of Hork-Bajir get to the narrow ramp through all kind of the teeming taxons, led by a familiar one, Subvisor 7, right? Right. Um, Elfangor and Arbron uh, have kind of a come and get us moment. They're like standing at the entrance and he's like, oh, you can't handle, you know, whatever. And uh, and Arbron and Elfangor are both kind of like, fuck you, come and take it, right? Sure. Um, uh, the hork approach like two at a time because it's a narrow ramp, but then more and more are coming and like trying to climb up and jump up the sides. So the odds are getting worse as time goes on. Right. Things, things are looking bad, but then one of the hork um, like, kind of stops all of a sudden right as he's about to get to, like, Elfingor and Arbron, and then says, in thought speak, so, how are you enjoying the war, Arist Elfangor? And it's Prince Aloran in Hork-Bajir Morph. Who was, he... he was pretending to be a Hork-Bajir. He has apparently been hiding out for, like, the last day or whatever. Sure. So constantly in the, in... morphing into Hork-Bajir and shit to, like, keep the Jahar in his sights. Right, and basically has... Okay, great. So they have a third person. They, they, they got a third person, and he's got fucking arm blades. And he gets the element of surprise, turns and grabs Subvisor 7, Hort-Bajir, and puts a blade to his throat. And yep. it's like, call off your fucking goons, or I cut you right here. And he does. Uh, I Okay, thank you. I I thought you meant the other guy's like, hey, call him down, and then just slit his neck. Okay, great. So it's the other version of it. Yeah. Uh, so Aloran says... Uh, that, or is it, is it, all right, me... You, obviously, my captive, Subvisor 7. Um, uh, the humans, the Aritz, we're all getting on the ship, and we're leaving. And none of your dudes are going to do something about that, right? Or I'll kill you. Yes, of course. No one will follow us. Uh, and, and if you don't like that, then I can just kill you right now, and we will fight our way aboard that ship, right? Like, right. Um, and uh, the Subvisor says, Whatever became of the Andalite reputation for kindness and gentleness, the Yurk mocked, what happened? We left that image in the ashes of the Hork-Bajir homeworld. <laughs> yeah, so the last says, book. Oh, you were there? He says, I was there. My name was Aloran Semitur Koras, War Prince Aloran. And for the first time, the Subvisor seemed afraid. His mocking, arrogant attitude seemed to evaporate, and he quickly ordered his Hork-Bajir down the ramp. Together we backed carefully toward the Jahar. Aloran, the Yurk Subvisor in his steel grip. Lauren, still tending my wound. Chapman, the treacherous human who had led us all to this terrible mess. Only Arbron turned away from the open hatch of the Jahar. Come with us, Arbron, I said. Look around. The free taxons have lost. The living hive will be destroyed. There is no future for you here. Elfangor, there's no future for me anywhere. But you can't, I said. Who's going to remind me not to be so stiff? Who's going to laugh at me when I start talking about being a great prince? You go, Elfangor, Arbron said gently. Go save the galaxy. Leave him, Aloran said. Arist, I mean, warrior Arbron, is a casualty of war. And then they leave. Oof, so he's not going he's with not them. Coming he's not coming with. He's going to stay and be a weird alien. Mm-hmm. So they take off, and it doesn't seem like anyone has been chasing them. Like, the Yurks are in such disarray down in the base, no one really comes off after them. Um, Aloran demorphs to Andalite and says, Alright, first things first, let's head back around and blow up that transport with the 10,000 Yurks in it. Yep, launch him into space. You can't do that to my people! And before we do that, as we're flying, uh, he's like, Oh, but first, let's throw this subvisor out of the fucking hatch. <laughs> yeah! Yeah. Uh, and they're like 15,000 feet up, and they stop the ship. <laughs> and they uh, just push him out? Well, so... Take him to an airlock? 
The subvisor tensed up. He was not going to get pushed out of the spaceship without a fight. His hork muscles bunched and rippled. He seemed to glance at Chapman, and I swear... But no, I had to be imagining things. It's just that Chapman seemed to shake his head almost invisibly. The subvisor's face glazed over, his eyes Yo, went there's dead, a, and there's he a relaxed inside, There's a yerk inside Chapman. I think that there's been a yerk inside Chapman for 50 years. Aloran orders Elfangor to open the hatch. He does. But Al, uh, but Elfangor can't bring himself to watch, so he like closes all four <laughs> of his eyes. <laughs> um, and... Uh, well, he doesn't close his eyes. He looks away, uh, and and uh, he sees on like the vid screen sensors a figure falling down through the clouds from the do, ship. Do they hear anything? Do they hear like a ah? Like, Not really. Like, no, because it's like whistling wind. Uh, and then Aloran is like, "Great, close the hatch." And he closes the hatch. And when Elvigor turns around, that subvisor Hortbjir is no longer on board. Okay. So they do just shove him out, <laughs> fifteen thousand feet in the air. No way he survives that. Who knows? Uh, who knows? Uh, so they fly over the ship where the Yurks are, the 10,000 Yurks. Those... If the little Yurk in the ear came out and, like, like, like held jumped on, right as he was like, through the, the bite, elevator like, and bite, was biting onto his body, so the body hits first and then he can, like, squiggle <laughs> away. I, I, I don't know. I, you're right. I don't think he survived, but it could have. Uh, so they fly over above that ship that uh, Aloran wants to blow up with, like, the 10,000 defenseless Yurks on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Aloran is basically like, okay, Elfangor, you fire. You need to undo your mistake from before when you disobeyed me before and do it now. And Elfangor, like, has his finger over the button and then is like, no, I can't do this. Uh, mm. To which Aloran puts his tail blade to Elfangor's throat. Starts ranting a bit, kind of like, what, and, and at one point literally says, uh, what does it matter if you kill them with a tail blade or a quantum virus? And Elfangor right. is like, fuck, is that what you did? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, finding out about the war crimes on the, oh, is that what you did? Yeah, okay. Oh, rough, Suddenly, rough. unexpected movement, Chapman jumps up and punches at Aloran's head and Elfangor follows up on the distraction with a thwap, like a side thwap tail to Aloran's head and knocks him the fuck out. He says that Chapman at that point has a look of like pure triumph on his face. Um, and Elfangor went over to the med kit, got a um, tranquilizer like injection and injects Aloran with it to like keep him out for a while. Yes, he will be asleep now till we get back with rendezvous with the troops elfangor is like okay now i have to go get the time matrix <laughs> like in that crashed ship lauren wraps um a slash wound on elfangor like with a part of a shirt or whatever you know i'm surprised lauren isn't mad at chapman i don't understand why she's like still around him uh well right now they're just like well here we are all on the ship right like okay yeah uh so they land by the script now ship he takes a Elfangor takes a hand shredder to like burn away the wreckage around it so that he can tractor beam the, the time matrix up to the Jahar. Um uh, and then he starts kind of thinking about like, oh man, how lucky are we like to even get this far kind of thing. Right. Um uh, what does he say? What does he say? What does he say? Uh, almost like it's been planned to happen this way. It was lucky Lauren never told them while they held her uh, it was lucky Lauren never told them while they held her captive. Lucky that Chapman never told them. Lucky. And lucky that I've been able to hold off the hork And lucky that we've been able to get away from the spaceport without being pursued. More luck. Too much luck. 
I really was a fool. I felt a cold shiver crawl over my spine. I was behind the time matrix, hidden from the Jahar, and suddenly, I knew what was happening back inside the Jahar while I worked free the time matrix, and I knew what I would see when I walked back around that off-white globe. Trembling with despair, I set the shredder for its next lowest setting. I would have to duplicate Arbron's feet. Three quick shots. Yes, three. I sucked in deep breaths, and then I bolted at top speed. I leapt from behind the time matrix, Lauren raising a draken beam in her hand. I fired. She dropped, twitching wildly from the energy pulse. Chapman fired, but he was weak and shaky from what he had just endured. I fired, and the human dropped to the dirt. But there was one more left. I knew it. I knew, and I knew I had very little time. Sudden movement. I spun and fired. Missed, but not a complete miss. I had stunned his right arm. The hand holding the draken beam dropped, useless. And there, and, and he stood there, rage on his face, Aloran, War Prince Aloran Semeter Koras. But it wasn't really Aloran anymore. For the rest of my life, I would remember that moment. The moment when I looked for the first time on the Abomination. You see, Aloran was no longer Aloran. Very good, Aristha Elfangor. It took you a while, but you figured it out in the end. Subvisor 7, I said. Yes, but not for long. The Yurk who made the first Andalite controller? The Yurk who captured the fabled Time Matrix? I'd say I can count on a major promotion, wouldn't you? Oh, they always... The, 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 the fact that the, the inner politics that all of these things that they do is just for self, like, self-glorification is so gross. Yeah. So Subvisor 7... So he did. He got out of the ear. He went. He popped so out. So what of the had ear. happened was before they even took him hostage and got on the ship, Subvisor Seven switched into Chapman's head and put another Yurk in the Hork Bajir that was his former host. They okay. also put a Yurk into Lauren. So all so of every, them. Were okay. Yurks. So all of the, all of this is a trap. Yeah. Uh, and then in the ship. It was the subordinate in the Yurk in the hork body that was pushed out of the airlock, and that slight shake of the head from Chapman was sub Seven ordering him, don't you dare give this away. Yeah. Right? Uh, uh, and then when Elfangor left, sub Seven transferred his consciousness to Al- transferred to Aloran, who was knocked out at the time. Who was knocked out. Uh, reveals that uh, Chapman, and so he... Never knew about the Yurks that Elfangor saved, like, by refusing to blow them up, and would have had to stop him from doing that in that moment. Like, when they found, when that showdown with Aloran was happening, they, he, Chapman, and the Yurk in Lauren were about to be like, well, we have to do something. We can let one Yurk fall out of a ship for this mission, but to, like, let you blow up 10,000 is something I cannot allow. Sure. But they never had to do that because... Elfangor fucking refused the order and got in a fight with Aloran anyway, which just made things perfect for Subvisor 7. <sighs> so it's okay. Elfangor's fault that this happened in the first place because of his fucking morals about fighting an ethical war, right? Like, That's that why you shouldn't have morals! Mm-hmm. Uh, so, bug fighters will be on their way at as we speak, kind of thing. Uh, Elfangor stuns the Subvisor, shoots him with the stun setting, um, and starts to drag all three of their bodies back on board the Jahar. Um, start, starting <laughs> So much back and forth yeah. on the loading and unloading of these ships. Starting with the humans, and he doesn't get Aloran's body up the ramp before the bugfighters, like, arrive. And, like, fly over and then start to, like, turn, swoop around back. Uh, Does he in, just in kick him off? Uh, so he leaves him on the ground outside. He runs in to the med kit, grabs, like, a stim 
injection, stimulant yeah. injection, injects Alaran so he'll wake up within a minute or so, runs back up the ramp, starts the ship up, calls the bug fighter, pretends to be Subvisor 7 in an Andalite body, like, yeah. what, you don't recognize the your fucking yeah. commander? Do what I say, I finally did it, I got an Andalite, right? He then says, see the Andalite outside on the ground? I want you to chase him until he drops from exhaustion and then kill him. <laughs> He's trying to, like, be what the subvisor would most, probably say, right? the most brutal way to kill to kill that guy. Okay. And while they do that, while they start chasing... And, and, El- and, and uh, Al- the Yurk and Alaran, like, very clearly is like, oh, fuck, I know what's happening, and starts to run. Like, <laughs> yeah, <right>? yeah. Basically, <laughs> north by northwest yes. just has to yes, take exactly. out of there. Um, and so while that's happening, uh, he tractor beams the time matrix up to the ship and lashes it to the belly of the ship, but the outside, with what's called energy lashes. Isn't that fun? <laughs> yeah. Mr. Lightyear wants more tape! Uh, so the Yurks catch on as they're leaving, because as they start to fly away, the Yurks are like, uh, sir, all due respect, you've been requested to, like, land at the port for, like, briefing and shit. And they're like, nope, and turns off the thing and starts to leave. <laughs> uh, but it's too late for them because they got to Z-Space. And into Z-Space they go. Wow. They spend and did over... They kill that, they, but they didn't kill that other guy down there, right? That's the body. That body is now there. Alloran, uh... Yeah, 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 yeah. He, last he saw, he was running off into the desert chased by bug fighters. Sure, sure. But I know that he's alive, <laughs> but now he's dead, but he was alive. So they spend over a day in Z-Space. Fortunately, the Yurk that was inside Lauren was near the end of its feeding cycle. So, okay, so it comes out and dies. So, well, so Elfangor is like, I'll make you a deal. I can either tie up your host body, Lauren, until you starve to death, and then she's free. Or I can put you in the tank with all your other buddies. Well, that, this is a different ship. This is the, we're, in oh, the, okay. we're in the Jahar now, the fancy Andalite ship. Got it. Um, or, if you come out of her willingly, I promise I will like freeze you in hibernation to be dealt with later. Right, you're still going to go to jail. And rather than go through the Candrona race starvation, which we've seen is awful, uh, the Yurk agrees, comes out, Elfangor does freeze it, and then immediately launches it into space near a sun. <laughs> <laughs> now, what about the one that's in Chapman? Here's the thing there is not currently one in Chapman. Because it went from the one to the other, and then Chapman was open. Yes, but still allied himself with the Yurks in that moment. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Who do you think, like, woke up Alaran? Well, I guess Lauren could have, I guess, but... No, but... But, like, was... when when they were all there and, and, yeah. and, and Elfangor had to shoot them all, Chapman was there with a gun about to, trying to shoot Elfangor, but that was just Chapman under orders, presumably, from Subvisor 7. Kind of. Kind like, of. Right? Subvisor okay. 7's in his brain is probably like, I'm gonna leave your brain, you do this, I promise you'll be fine. Right. right? He wasn't. Like that kind of thing. Right. So they spend over Zane's Z-Space. Um, Chapman tries to get him to use the Time Matrix. And Elfangor correctly guesses that he's probably following Subvisor's instruction because to use it means we have to leave Z-Space and go to regular space. And I bet there's a tracker on this ship, right? Yes, of course yeah. there is. Uh, and that's absolutely true. He co- correctly guesses that. Um, but then he's like, wait, we can use that. What if we come out of Z-Space as sort of a trap like lead them somewhere they don't want to go so he remembers where his dome ship the star sword was going that they were supposed to rendezvous with when they were done dropping off the humans he's like that's perfect so but he's got to tell them about this plan like you can't just show up there but you can't communicate from z space right yeah 
Uh, and, and he knows that their dome ship was hoping to meet up with a second dome ship. So two dome ships would be, like, perfect. Yep. So they tie up Chapman. They get ready to enter real space. They have a little heart-to-heart, Lauren and Elfangor, with conversation about the Elemists. Um, and he kind of explains, like, dimensions. He's like, you know, imagine you were a two-dimensional being on a piece of paper, essentially, and someone drew a sure, box around sure. you. You couldn't get over it, but a third-dimensional person could, like lift you over it and you'd have no idea what the fuck was going on right that's elemists to us kind of thing um, interdimensional beings yeah they have more they can see more than we can dimensionally right so uh they exit z space and call for the star sword and they get an immediate response that the star sword is under attack they go and find them and it seems that they are under attack by what looks like living asteroids Oh, weird! Yeah, and like Elf- a bunch of a bunch of geo dudes in space. Kind of, and Elfengor's like, I have never heard of or seen that before in my life. Sure. Um, uh, as we stared, transfixed, one of the asteroids seemed to sprout a tail. It was a plume of hot plasma. The asteroid turned, changed course, and shot towards one of the Star Sword's fighters. The fighter fired a full powered, full powered shredder blast at the asteroid. The green beam zapped through the vacuum. The asteroid glowed where the shredder blast hit and then increased in speed. The fighter turned to run, but to my amazement, the asteroid accelerated, staying on its tail, twisting, turning, accelerating, and then a pillar of living rock extended from the asteroid like some primitive arm. It struck the fighter. I saw a tiny puff as the air was squeezed from the ship, and then the rock simply grew over the doomed ship. It grew swift, unstoppable, until within seconds, the entire fighter was covered by living rock. The asteroid had eaten a fighter. (laughs) That's nuts. That's nuts! So, uh, even the Star Sword's big-ass guns didn't work. Shot one just seemed to attract more asteroids towards it. Yeah. So behind them, then, a Yurk pool ship and a blade ship show up from the, you know, tracking Elfangor's ship. And seeing the blade ship, Elfangor somehow just knows who was aboard it. Like, you yeah, can already tell. I can feel the bad vibes coming off that ship. Sure. Uh, he has a vid screen call. Uh, with it, but Elfangor's camera is off for the beginning of it because they like they like call his ship and it's and it's Subvisor Seven in Alaran's sure. body, sure. Um, uh, and he gives Lauren the shredder on like low power and is like, "Hey, when I turn this camera on, stand in view of the camera, like and and I'll be talking. Interrupt me by shooting at me, but please miss me." Like, yeah, you know, like <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Subvisor Seven is no longer Subvisor Seven; he is now Visser Thirty Two. Oh, but wow, what a huge promotion. Big jump, big jump. Big jump went past 43, 42, 41. Yep. He kills the power once Lauren does the little act. The ship is now disabled. It looks like controller Lauren did it. Helps she saved the day. Yep. Uh, the blade ship approaches. Elfangor is waiting, like, targeting the blade ship with the, the guns of the Jahar. Like, when it gets close enough, I'm just going to blast it when it doesn't expect... But then Chapman had freed his legs from being tied up, sweeps Lauren's legs out from under her, uh, who drops the shredder. He gets it, shoots at Elfangor, stuns his, like, left side. Lauren kicks him in the nuts, (laughs) (laughs) gets the shredder from him, and then stuns him with it. Uh, And then says something like, man, you really make the human race look bad. Like, (laughs) like you are such a fuck. Yes, he does. In the meantime, though... Elfangor had missed his shot, and the blade ship has latched on to the Jahar. Okay. Um, so the door opens. There is a brief firefight. Lauren is knocked out. Um, 
into Elfangor, who is already, like, half of his body is dead, so he, like, falls over. The Visser enters uh, and is now in the ship with them. Elfangor wildly swings his tail blade, but the Visser dodges. Yeah. But he wasn't really aiming for the Visser anyway. He hits a panel uh, on the console, and the weapons fire at the blade ship. Oh, great! Which is currently That's... hatched, right, to the hatch. Yeah, literally so just... So blows the ship away from the Jahar. Now we're in the vacuum of space, and shit starts getting sucked out the door. About, uh, just basically redoing what happened on planet 13,000 feet <laughs> in the air. Uh, so they tumble and hold on. The air all blows out. The safety, like an automatic safety on the ship, like, shuts the hatch. Right. right? But there's still no air. Um, so, uh, an asteroid then latches onto the Jahar because it just fired weapons, so it attracted, uh, an asteroid. And Elfangor is like, they're all, like, suffocating and asphyxiating, right? Um, he's about to resign to death, but then an unconscious Lauren kind of, like, knocks into him in the no gravity, and he gets, like, a newfound, like, no, I have to do this. So he, he makes it to an emergency hatch, like, misses it because he's like trying to move through zero gravity but then sees that lauren regained consciousness just enough to like reach up and like push him towards what he was reaching for and he gets to this hatch turns like this manual knob and air flows into the cabin again uh the ship has okay the ship has air but no power and is currently falling towards a black hole okay okay <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the worst possible part of the day could be happening right now. Uh, the Visser regains consciousness and says their only way out is to use the Time Matrix. That's a trap. If they use the Time Matrix, they'll enact the Elemist. It was lashed outside of the ship using energy lashes. So Elfric yeah. is like, no, wouldn't it be like drifting in space right now? And Aloran is like, because we're in space, the gravity between the ship and the Time Matrix should keep it close by. And okay, Elfangor okay. does quick calculations. And he's like, fuck, he's right. Like, you okay. know. So it is work together with your enemy time because it's outside the ship. One of us has to go outside. One of us has to hold the rope. Uh, our, our, our Andalite has to go outside and the other one's going to hold the rope. 100%. We only have one chance, though, because opening the hatch will also let the air out again. Right. We do have emergency air hoods that uh, Aloran Visser knows about because this is Aloran's ship and he knows like every inch of it. Sure. Um, so there are little air hoods that have about five minutes worth of air. Oh, that's not enough for anything. <laughs> and chemicals so that you don't like decompress in space or sure. whatever. Like, yeah. um, uh, one person has to go out. One person has to hold the, the rope. Elfangor is the one who will do that and because he's like, you'll just use the time matrix when you get to it. And Elfangor's like, or and Visser's like, how do I know you won't? And he's like, check Aloran's memory. I want to come back and help Lauren. And the Visser's like, yeah, this fucking Andalite knows that you for some reason like this human. So yeah, I guess so. I guess so. So they do it. Um, they get to the time matrix. He has to untie himself to tie it around the time matrix and then just hold on to the rope as they get pulled back in, which has got to be terrifying. Uh, and the time matrix is like a glowing it's ball. It's a glowing there's, white orb, yeah. But there's not like buttons on it, right? Correct. They like need to use it, Correct. but they don't know what that means. Correct, yes. Okay. Uh, so they get in and um, the Visser and he both try to use the time matrix. Like he, he gets it on board and the Visser immediately like, huh, like puts out his hand to like try to get the time matrix. <laughs> yeah, time so matrix, go! Time Elf matrix, turn does on! the same and they both like interface mentally with this time matrix. And he sees at that moment, like, everything suddenly sort of, like, 
I can see everything. Sure. And he sees little, like, wispy lines from, like, objects and people, like, kind of tied back through time and space to where they're going, where they've been. Like, he sees the passage, like, the trail of time for each thing. It's all connected. Um, he sees through everyone, even their thoughts and memories. He can see the yerk inside Aloran's brain and the, like, electrical impulses going back and forth between them. It's fucking nuts. Um, the Visser tries to take control of the entire machine, and he sees images of, like, the Yurk homeworld sort of, like, forming in this mental landscape. And so Elfangor is, like, trying to fight for control um, with images of, like, the Andalite homeworld. But there's also, like, pictures from Earth, like, those images from the Earth pictures that he saw, like, kind of in there. Sure. Um, and then they're both surprised when they suddenly feel a third consciousness sort of join this group. And it's Lauren, who is now also touching the Time Matrix. Um, and they're seeing popsicles, and they're seeing hot dogs, and they're seeing Disneyland. <laughs> uh, well, actually, what happens there is... Uh, and then a new mind. Alien, but familiar, in a way. I saw the Yerk... I saw the Yerk jerk in alarm and surprise. This new force, this new mind was strong, stronger than he could have expected. Lauren. I saw inside her and through her. I saw her thoughts. I saw her push back the Visser's own images, not defeating him, but keeping him at bay. I realized something else had changed. The black hole was further away now. The Jahar could still be seen, but it too was further away. We were moving. The time matrix had been programmed, and we were moving through time. The last memory I had, as the cold collapsed my consciousness, was of someone vast and incredible. A being like nothing I could have imagined. It saw me, it saw us all, and it laughed. David, this is a, a, a harrowing moment for our heroes. What's going to happen? We're going to have to find <laughs> out next time. Yep. I mean, yep. I don't know what else to say. I feel like we've reached What I will a, say a, is that I do, agree with you. I do agree with you. I think if we tried to finish through here, this would be a too long of an episode. Sure. What I will say is I think the next episode, which will finish the Sandalite Chronicles, will probably be a tad shorter than these other two. A tad shorter. However. Just a little bit. Oh, I was going to say I'm so proud of you, but no, um, this is not the end, technically, of the second part. Fuck no! I thought I was so close! I was looking at the book, I was doing mental math, I felt like, yeah, we gotta be close to the end of the uh, second part. Proportionally, it probably should be, but we are a couple, like, technically chapters away, I think. And he saw the Elemis, the Elemis is what smiled he at saw, him when they uh, were going through. He saw an endless being who laughed sure. at him. Yes. Sure, of course, that's what they do, those son of a bitches. Yeah, so Santel! Let's go, Let's to, go lessons. to lessons. Lessons. I'm going to let you know that my lessons this time around are all garbage. I'm going right. to let you know. I don't feel confident in these lessons. I don't. You're going to. You're going <laughs> to. I got way into the story the yeah, second yeah, time yeah, around. Yeah. Okay. Lesson one. Always wear a watch. You got to know okay. time. Set timers. It'll make your life better. Wear a watch. I wrote show down your speed, but it means slow down your speed. Sure. You're making decisions. You're going a million miles per hour. Slow down. Figure out what you want to do, then continue your journey. You yeah. don't have to do it all at the same time. Okay. Uh, a lesson I learned from this, you got to learn to love yourself. You you I, you can be unhappy with things. That's okay. But you got to learn to love yourself because if not, it's only going to bring unhappiness to you. Sure. Good lesson. Leave your friend's limbs alone. If they are your <laughs> friend and they have limbs, leave them alone. You don't know what they use them for. Don't be presumptuous. Leave those limbs alone. 
Be careful of white cylinders. I know you're a young person. You think it's so cool. I want to go out to the bars and have white cylinders. It's just going to kill your lungs. Be careful with white cylinders, okay? Uh, they, they do have a conversation about those at some point. Uh, Elfengar asks Lauren about the white cylinders. And, and she's basically like, white cylinders? Oh, cigarettes. Yeah, no, those are actually really bad for you. They're like poisonous. And he's like, why would humans enjoy poison sticks? But those like, people, what? they yeah. were at the waterfall. <laughs> yeah. They look so happy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, the Rolling Stones are pretty good. Sure. I don't know. the. La- I feel like, you know, there's that Beatles Rolling Stones thing, and I know the Beatles more, so I don't really think about the Rolling Stones. But whenever I listen to Rolling Stones, I'm like, yeah, the Rolling Stones are pretty good. Sure, yeah. Mark your shit. If you are going somewhere, mark your bag. If you're with friends in a group, maybe put dots on them. I don't know what you do, but you got to mark your <laughs> stuff so you know it's yours. Sure. Uh, don't go skydiving. Like, I get that it's like, I get I that, agree like, with that lesson, yes. I get that, like, if it all goes well, what an amazing experience. Only one thing has to go wrong. <laughs> one thing has to go wrong, and it's all shit. Don't go skydiving. I agree. Be careful of too much luck. If you... If, if you, things seem it, too good to be true, they probably are. They probably, probably are. are, absolutely. I wrote No Morals in War, but I don't like that lesson. I don't feel like that's the lesson you should take away from this. That's the lesson so far. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do agree with the lesson. Sweep the legs. They never, they're never going to look for it. Yeah. If you play Mortal Kombat, you go for those lows. You're going to get a knockdown every time. Absolutely. Uh, five minutes isn't enough time. It's just not for enough almost time. anything. When you're a little kid, you're like, wow, five minutes. Like, right? Like, we're going to leave in five minutes. It's just yeah. not enough time. It's yeah, never yeah. enough time. Uh, and then my last lesson, very clearly from this story and from the teachings from the Bible, it's all connected, sure, David. Sure. It's all connected. <laughs> David, we are t- barreling through time and space we right are. now. We are. I don't know what's going to happen. I also... Crazy I shit. Also, well, and maybe this is a, a pre-prediction. I'll, I'll predict it again on next week's episode. Sure. Uh, that this... They reset time all the time. It feels like something like that is going to happen. I unfortunately don't think that we're going to get back our lost friends. I think that they are like now Arbron lost. And... I think they are now lost in time and space. Mm-hmm. But I do think that there's a chance that they can shave the the dome ship from the asteroid aliens. Okay. You know what's crazy? The three people who are in the time matrix and like g- gonna go on whatever adventure we're going to next were the Lauren and and you know Vista Thirty Two and Elvangor. There's one person on board that ship who is not involved in this time matrix shit, and it's an unconscious Chapman oh. who is still on the Jahar, barreling towards a black hole. And he's a piece of shit. Yeah. And I don't know what he's going to do, but he could ruin all of this as well. Sure. Ugh. Chapman's the worst. Right. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. A constant thorn in the side of everything Animorphs. Yeah. Everything. Everything. Even in the past. But it's such a fun, the... it's such a fun like B villain because he's just always like such an annoyance, right. you know? Like yeah. Right. Okay. Well, they're barreling towards the future. I want to barrel towards this conclusion, but we'll have to save that for another week. That's been David Miller. <laughs> That's still Michael Santel. And we will see all you boys, girls, and kitty cats next time. Okay. Okay. Bye. bye. That's our show. Thanks for coming round. Don't be sad. No need to frown. We'll have more stories. Don't throw a fit. Goodbye, one and all, and we'll see you in a bit. Uh, we don't even have to. We can keep going, and we don't even have to like resync or anything. We just have to do another intro. Yeah. You want to do this one?
Yeah. Okay. Three, two, one, guts. <laughs>